Hello and welcome to this season two of the From the Moon podcast with me, David Pleasant. This year has seen the opening of the 23rd International Exhibition of Triennale Milano. It is entitled Unknown Unknowns, an introduction to mystery, and so on each episode we try to unpack a different component of this quite literally unknowably vast subject matter. It's really visible and very easy to notice and understand just by looking at the kind of things that they make, because they're telling different stories and they're telling stories with different aesthetics. What do we think that we know about the universe? And could or should we even be attempting to know everything? Perhaps we can learn to coexist with life's mysteries. We'll be asking all these questions and many more here on From the Moon. During the course of this series, we'll be speaking to artists, designers and scientists who will guide me, your host, on this journey through knowledge and understanding. For this episode six of the series, we are going to be doing things slightly differently. Rather than pose a question or deep dive into one theme of the Unknown Unknowns exhibition, today we are going to be hearing from a group of artists and designers involved in the Triennale game collection. The second rendition of this kaleidoscopic online show was launched on the occasion of the 23rd International Exhibition and sees five experimental games created by independent game designers from around the world. Each author presents an original approach to narrative and interactive storytelling, with games exploring the unknown unknowns theme. Thankfully, you won't be hearing much from me in the show, but rather we'll have the game collection curator, Milan-based Pietro Righi-Riva, talk us through some of the currents and trends in this relatively new and rapidly evolving cultural sector. And from the five different game designers that contributed to the game collection... They'll all be saying their names, but don't worry if you miss anything, as you can find all the relevant information in the show notes to this episode. My name is uh, Pietro Righiriva, and I uh, direct an indie game studio based in Milan called Santa Ragione. And I've recently curated uh, an exhibition for the Triennale, which I'll tell you more about today, called the Triennale Game Collection, now at its uh, volume two. Yes, so I would start by uh, telling you about the conditions that made that possible in my experience, like what, what I think were the, the engines that were put in motion that made this possible. And I think we can trace it back to two really big uh, technological changes, really. Uh, first of all, as digital distribution. So a new way to deliver and consume, sorry for the capitalistic uh, expression, uh, content um, through, through, through the internet. So you, it's very obvious to anyone, but you don't have to go to a physical store anymore. And as someone that produces video games, you don't have to print a game that is 100% finished and tested and you know, print it on discs or cartridges and then ship it all over the world, right? And it, as you can imagine, the cost 
of doing that and the risk of doing that made it so very few people had the opportunity really to do that in a commercially sustainable way, right? So that's the, that's the first one, right? Really lowering the risk barrier for people participating in the industry and in the production of games uh, by removing the physical medium. And, and second, and similarly, is the birth of accessible tools for creating games. So basically since uh, the late uh, 2000s, early uh, 2010s, uh, we've seen the birth and development and growth of a number of video game engines uh, that became not only free to download and use and even use for commercial purposes, but they were more and more designed to be accessible by people that had did not have a technical background, that did not have an experience in computer engineering, computer science, or anything like that. And really this is um, the, the core of it. Like the fact that this medium became accessible to people of all kinds of backgrounds. Game One, Mine, designed by Akwazi Afrane Bediako. My name is Akwazi uh, Afrane Bediako, mostly known as Afrane Makov, mostly by my peers. I'm an artist living and working in Ghana, Kumasi to be specific. I am an artist with a background in sculpture and uh, currently I work in an expanded field using a discarding or secondhand consumer electronics to create a mutated uh, organisms I refer to as trons. For this project, uh, it's very interesting to me uh, as a one, I'm a gamer myself, I like to game. So <laughs> that is one of the reasons I also uh, decided to go, uh, like to use the game uh, as a platform to reach audience. And so for me, I'm very interested in this idea of how uh, adventure games introduce or ushers audience into, it's like, for me, it's like someone's cognizance or someone's mind and they allow you to experience the world they have created. So um, creating the mind, the mind game is actually this, it, it also borrows from this idea of the adventure kind of exploration where the audience is given a, a space to uh, explore. So for me, I created this, uh, it's a 3D rendered cave mine where you, the audience goes or meanders through and experience crystal, mineral crystals, and then also trying to create a relation here where people can not just experience the crystal and how it maybe is mined, but also crystal and is uh, like the products that these crystals are used to kind of produce. For in general, they, there is this idea of uh, unknown unknowns, which uh, can be interpreted as uh, what we do not know, we do not know. <laughs> yes, uh, but for me, I was looking at this idea of obliviousness, which um, stems from this kind of uh, how we eventually end up forgetting things or not knowing the source of things. So uh, interpretation into the game um, deals with how uh, we are so much kind of um, drawn or we are immersed into a virtuality these days, these days generally, and then we actually don't create a connection or there is a disconnect between the source of this virtuality and the virtuality itself. Because 
it's unlikely for people to actually think of Facebook and then directly say, oh, the mind. But in actuality, Facebook is able to exist because the mind allows it. We started off from a place of very limited uh, diversity in terms of like the people that were making video games for the reasons mentioned above. So the requirement of the, uh, the technological background that is mostly, you know, uh, uh, a white cis male dominated uh, field. Um, and to be completely honest, there is still a lot of gatekeeping. So it's not like those changes in interfaces and technology have automatically allowed diverse um, creators from accessing the fields necessarily. But uh, it did uh, provide more opportunities for sure. I needed a first-hand report. Game two, Contact, designed by Laura McGee of Dreamfeel. Something, it was all I had to go on. Although I'd never visited him like this before, so it was highly suspicious. Hi, I'm Laura, uh, Laura McGee, and I run a studio called Dreamfeel, and uh, I'm an artist, writer, uh, and producer, and yeah, I just love making cool games and like working with nice people. And uh, recently we released If Found, and we're working on another big secret project, and this year I worked on a cool game called Contact. So a lot of my work, like I usually, I like to pull from my own experience, my own life. And like, I've always grown up, like kind of interested in space and like what's out there and like things happening in the universe. But is there someone out there besides ourselves who can understand it, you know? And I grew up, uh, in Donegal, which is like the, the far kind of northwest coast of Ireland. And Ireland's already like a really small remote country, but, you know, growing up in the, the dull middle of nowhere um, in a very small town. And I have all these kind of like strange interests. It's like, is there anyone out there who understands like myself? And uh, so my first kind of like touch point with making this game was that I wanted to make something about decoding signals. So I kind of put myself in the shoes of myself uh, as like a 12, 13 year old and kind of discovering this world outside of Donegal, you know, this world of um, the internet, you know, and what I was kind of learning and taking from it, like much like us, like receiving signals from space. So the gameplay is the player decoding signals by moving these sliders back and forth and trying to figure out when the patterns make sense or when things kind of become clear, um, which is essentially like how humans and how all of us kind of decode life around us anyway. We're kind of just pattern finding machines, you know. The story is something that happened to me uh, in real life. Uh, I think anyway, I'm still not 100% sure if this is like a false memory or a real memory, but um, two tourists kind of visited uh, Killy Beggs, um, uh, my hometown, and uh, they were both trans. Uh, there were like two trans women from the States and to a, you know, 12, 13, 14 year old kid who was struggling with like her own gender. This was like, holy shit. Like I've just had like this epiphany that, oh my God, like transgender people exist. 
And this was the moment that I kind of wanted to represent in the game because this to me was us, uh, an unknown unknown kind of becoming uh, a known unknown, I suppose, <laughs> you know? And this was this like, oh, maybe there is like other people that are kind of feel the same way that I do, you know? And it is this kind of like search for understanding. And yeah, like that, that was the kind of, uh, that was the story the game was built around. And then like the way that I wanted to tell it was by like decoding like these streams and these messages, uh, something that's very unlike like most games. So one of the cool things about the game as well is as you're decoding signals, like you're decoding my voice. So you hear like my narration. Uh, and it's actually the first time I think that I've ever put my, like my own voice into a game, but I think like having that audio, like is both like super personal, but also draws you in. Uh, and because this game is, it's like English and Italian, um, some, uh, the, the organizers were able to get uh, like a really great voice actor, uh, Marta, to, to, to do it in Italian as well, which is just really weird and cool to have someone kind of reinterpreting your voice, but in a different language. Um, and then ultimately where like the game goes towards the end is um, it's me in the present kind of like reflecting on this memory and reflecting on this kind of act of contact uh, between myself and these people 20 years ago, but then also the times at which I was this strange creature to other people who were like, you know, met me as a trans person for the first time and were like, oh my God. And yeah, it's just interesting. I think like something clicks or something just happens when that contact is made. And what I'm talking about is from your room, you can download a game engine and work on your idea, work on it for uh, a number of months, let's say uh, in the nights, if you're working during the day. So already, you know, like a, a big challenge, but it's possible, right? And then there is, it's like a, maybe let's say a hundred, one in a hundred uh, chances of that happening. And then there is a one in a hundred chances of the game that you complete, uh, that you complete the game really. And then again, one in 100 that you manage to uh, publish it online and someone notices it. And then one in 100 that people actually care about it and buy it and talk to other people about it. And then this thing becomes big, this thing that you've worked on, right? And at, at no step in this process is, uh, you know, your race, your background uh, relevant because people just see the game, right? And that's actually a kind of a big problem, like that, that, that creators behind the game are not seen. But on the other end, it kind of like purifies uh, the playing field in that sense, you know, that the game has the opportunity to become viral on its own. Game three, Wade, designed by Yijia Chen and Dong Zhu of Optillusion. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Yija, and I'm from Optilution Games. So basically, we are a small indie uh, indie game studio based in United States. So we just released our first game on cards on Steam, on, on Google Play, and on, our, on Apple App Store. And Wade is our second and our first art pro art related project. So Wade is a uh, stroll along 
a unknown shore. So basically, the player will take a、uh, take a walk along a vast body of water, and during the way, it, they will encounter、um, many curious things, including、uh, including tiny objects or hard, difficult obstacles. The goal of the game is to overcome these obstacles and keep walking forward until you reach till the end. So the ocean is actually a metaphor of underworld, like we because death is still unknown to us. We might be into spaces, we might be into、um, oceans, we might be into everywhere on every part of. Years, but we never actually been to death. So no one ever came back from death. So this is actually the we believe this is the ultimate unknown of human race of us. So、uh, we depict、uh, we depict the, the 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 process of death like a one way. It's a one way one way trip. So actually, in the game, you cannot go back, but keep, but only keep forward. The fact that people that are involved in the industry and that participate in it and that are、um, and, and have perceived this opportunity to increase the diversity and increase, you know, the the quality of the output from a、uh, cultural standpoint. The fact that there are people that. Uh, from the inside, can 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 change and can you know in,、uh, start initiatives, and that、uh, most of the time, if not all of the time, are themselves people with diverse backgrounds that have、uh, sort of like made it, and that are like using this, their possibility and their opportunity to make it possible for others as well.、Uh, that is slowly changing, sort of like the face of games, and then more and more nowadays you see. Content that is created by、uh, diverse creators, and it really it's really visible and very easy to to notice and understand just by looking at the kind of things that they make because they're telling different stories and they're telling stories with different、uh, aesthetics and with different、uh, paradigms. Game four, we are poems, designed by Fern Goldfarb Ramallo. My name is Fern Goldfarramajo, and I'm based in Berlin. Grew up in Argentina, and、uh, yeah, I make all sorts of different kinds of art.、Uh, been making some music recently,、uh, and do a lot of yeah technical art programming, but mostly the visual, visual oriented. It's a, a, a sort of like a, a space that you get to move around, pan around, kind of in a, a little bit of a kind of like Google Maps kind of style、uh, interface where you're、uh, pinching with your fingers, you're zooming in, you're zooming out, you're panning, you can rotate, and it's、uh, an infinite space in the sense that.、Uh, No matter where you move, both、uh, inwards, outwards, and around, you're always kind of like you keep coming back to the same space. And the idea is that you are exploring a a, a type of、uh, garden, kind of like a fairy garden. You see a lot of little stars that you. It's not clear if they're like 
little creatures and they're talking or, um, you know, there's all this movement, there's all this uh, environmental kind of like space that you're, you get to look at. And then there are spaces in particular that you can activate and then you get to sort of enter a performance. I think what... At the moment that I was kind of like coming up with the concept for the game and which, you know, came through a lot of iterations and kind of shifted a lot throughout the process of making it. I think I was thinking a lot about um, as I was coming to terms with my identity, realizing what I don't know, right? Like kind of like letting go of the things that are, were keeping me safe and trying to like fit into, uh, a, you know, like a heteronormative society Kind of like once you let go of trying to be something for other people, you realize like everything that you don't know and that unknown can be very scary, right? Like it can be um, a very, you know, um, disorienting space to inhabit. And I think the only thing that at least for me uh, was a way to uh, be comfortable with that unknown was community, right? Like meeting other people that were like having a similar experience and learning and growing together. And so when, you know, when the theme for this project came along of unknown unknowns, I think I was thinking a lot about that. So I was thinking about, well, like, what about a game about like embracing the unknown in community and creating a space that uh, comes from thinking about sort of like those terms. But in terms of the game itself, there's something that I really like about how the the game is sort of like attracting you towards these songs and these moments. But actually, uh, I went ahead and put little little situations here and there that if you're they they kind of like hard to or like easy to miss. But if you spend some time kind of like exploring this little diorama that I built, there are ways in which you can zoom in and find tiny little. People, stars, fairies that are having moments that are interacting with each other. Some are like talking over each other. Some are calling out to each other in like a sort of like uh, flirtatious sort of like dance. And situations like that where I, you know, I wanted to create this sensation that there's um, there's this community, there's this space, there's this fairy garden that you only get to see with a distance you never really get to interact with and you can find if you're curious uh this small moments right between these uh these characters there was a lot, a lot of freedom really but let me let me get to it so uh, starting from the the theme of unknown unknowns it's something that immediately immediately resonated with me deeply like it, it is rare that, you know, you hear a theme for an exhibition that you go, oh my God, finally, this is fantastic, right? It's, uh, it's usually, the, the feeling is usually, ah, oh, I wonder, this could be interesting. Let me think about this. But sometimes, very rarely, it's just like, it's immediately, you know, something that I wanted to think about, something that I wanted to, to talk about, really. And... To me, it's this really interesting space that is potentially uh, anti-capitalistic at core in the sense that 
really researching the unknown unknowns is a, a major risk with no uh, rewards promised, right? Uh, any other kind of research that you could do, you could, you could sort of like rationalize it down to, hey, it's going to cost this, but then the result is going to be that, and then we're going to earn from this. But with unknown unknowns, you really don't know what you're researching, right? So uh, there is a really high risk of, you know, uh, just fantasizing about things and then discovering that there was nothing there. And then maybe, you know, the unknown unknown will stay unknown. It immediately makes me think of you know outer space and you know the other and 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 that's a, a space where there's a lot of both you know creative space literally and also a lot of like responsibility in deciding what you want to look for because it's that very dangerous uh, design space where you're not given guidance and you're not given. Uh, direction and you're not given limits and if you talk to any designer they will give they will tell you immediately that you know constraints are really you know the sauce the secret sauce to good design is having interesting constraints and having you know the, the opportunity that comes with it and in exploring the edges of these constraints but with unknown unknowns well, the, really the only constraint that you have is that you should not talk about things that are known. <laughs> and then everything else is left, is le is left to you. And I would, what, what I'd say is, um, given how much I personally resonated with the theme, when I reached out to the artists that were actually supposed to tackle it, I kept myself kind of like away from the conversation specifically to avoid a contamination of intents and design that was not the objective of the of the exhibition. So I didn't sit down with the artists and told them like and started a conversation on the unknown unknowns because I didn't want to pollute kind of like their ideas on what that could mean and the space that would uh, that would bring them to because ultimately I was way more interested in you know seeing what they would come up with, right? And, and, and let them, you know, find their own identity within that uh, space of the unknown. Game five, Nono's Legend, designed by Nina Freeman of Star Made Games. My name is Nina Freeman. I am a game developer based in Maryland in the U.S., um, and I made Nanu's Legend with my partner Jake and musician Ryan Yoshikami for the Trianal Collection. We're super excited to participate. Um, I did primarily game design, writing, the concept. Um, Jake did the art and a lot of the programming with me. And uh, yeah, again, Ryan did the music. So a small team and uh, we're really proud of our work. Nanu's Legend is a game based on experiences I had as a kid with my Nanu, who's my, my grandpa. Um, you know, uh, when I got the invite to participate in the trial, I was super excited because it's based in Italy and my Nanu is Italian and he was always super proud of his heritage. So I really wanted to like include his memory in the game. He passed away some years ago, um, but him and I were really close. So the game is about... Um, playing with a tabletop globe, like one of those globes of earth that you can spin. And the idea was based on spinning, inspired by spinning it. And then, you know, you'll like tap your finger on a part of the globe to pick a random place while it's spinning uh, and say, you know, you land in the middle of the U.S. in, in Utah or something and you, you 
pick that and you wonder what it might look like, especially as a kid when you haven't seen much of the world, presumably. Um, so it was really inspired by the wonder of spinning a globe and, and the one that I remember my Nanu having in his little, he had like a walk-in closet library and he had the globe in there. So, you know, I had that memory. And so the game is based on that. In the game, you play with a tabletop globe, your Nanu shows it to you and he says, there's something magical about this globe. And as the player, you can figure out that there's a special button that unlocks the globe and turns on this magical mode where you can grab any piece of land on the planet and flick it around. And by doing so, you create your own new planet. Um, and at the end of the game, your Nanu translates that globe into a map for you, um, which you can save as a screenshot um, on your device. So yeah, it's all about taking the earth and sort of reimagining it as your own planet, as if you were a child again, wondering about what other worlds might look like um, as based on a tabletop globe in my Nanu's library. The unknown unknowns theme for the Triennale was really interesting for me because my background as a game developer is really in making uh, games based on my personal life and based on my memories and lived experiences. So a lot of the stuff I work on is super grounded in reality. So it was an interesting challenge to think about unknown unknowns. Um, and a lot of it was actually, of course, inspired by my relationship with my Nanu and his Italian heritage, but also uh, my partner, Jake, he's my husband. We work and make these games together and he loves to draw fantasy maps. That's like one of his hobbies. And I knew that he always like, he's interested in working on maps in video games. So I thought, okay, here's an interesting intersection of our interests. Like, can I come up with a game concept that draws on this idea of maps and other worlds? Um, so yeah, the idea really came from, from that as well. It's such a family game now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, I felt inspired by this idea of mapping another world and the idea of being a kid and really, when I was a kid, I hadn't traveled very much. I didn't know what other parts of the world looked like. So I thought, you know, it would totally have been something I would have done with that globe to spin it, imagine other worlds, imagine what our worlds looks looks like in different contexts, and to sort of, you know, run with it and say, what if you could literally edit that globe and create your own map? One of my favorite things about Nanu's Legend is that you can spin the globe and find where you are or find a place you remember and you can just move it wherever you want, which I think is a really funny activity. Um, I know I've noticed when people play it, it, it makes them think about a lot of different things. We actually don't put uh, like state or country boundaries on the, on the globe. It's all just like a, a globe where the terrain is drawn without any country names or anything like that. So you can really go find where you are, but once you start breaking things apart, like the world appears completely differently and you can totally reimagine it. Even though it starts as something so familiar, it becomes something completely unfamiliar super quickly. Sometimes people are not able to um, necessarily articulate, the, you know, their thoughts, the, the, the way they uh, design and thought about their art in a in a shareable, uh, you know, objective, reproducible uh, way, you know, that they are not used to think like that and that there is nothing bad about it, right? We, I mean, in the, strictly, and this is, I guess, something that is particularly interesting for the Triennale because in design as a discipline, at, at least like in the tradition of Italian design, we are very much 
used to you know being able to articulate uh, the design process and kind of like justify the design process in written form or oral form, but in a way that can be you know observed and that can be matched with the with the final product. You know that the design culture is really about you know developing a concept and then extrapolating from that concept and arriving at design solutions, right? But in I think it, the space where we're in with the collection kind of like transcends that kind of design and is closer to contemporary art really. And I think those processes don't necessarily make sense at that level. And and we shouldn't hold creators like to those standards in terms of like documenting their process, right? So I didn't want to be, you know, forcing them to necessarily even just thinking that way about what they had made. And that was Pietro Righi Riva there, bringing us to the end of this special episode of From the Moon, which we have devoted to the fabulous Triennale game collection on show now. And very importantly, it is also available to download on your smartphone. There, you will be able to see and play the five games you've heard about today. A special thank you to Pietro Righi Riva, the collection's curator and founder of the game production studio Santa Ragione. Thanks also to the game designers Aquasi Afrane Bediaco, Laura McGee of Dreamfield, Yijia Chen and Dong Zhu of Optillusion, Fern Goldfarb Ramallo and Nina Freeman of Star Made Games. This podcast is brought to you by Triennale Milano. It was written and presented by me, David Pleasant, with production support from Pale Blue Dot. Sound editing and design was by Alex Port Felix, and the theme music was created by John Arnold of Superdrama.